Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to the show this week. We've got a great show for you. We've got a number of different things coming up. We're going to be dropping right into the news here. We've got a Q&A after that. Send us your questions and your comments. One user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. Or listen to our podcasts anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's news is brought to you by the Be Local, Buy Local holiday shopping campaign sponsored by the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce and Metropolitan Land Group. Save up to 20% on gift cards and support local businesses impacted by the pandemic. Go to SherwoodChamber.org for more information. What do we have in the news? Police drones start thinking for themselves. Yeah, now, you know, what could possibly go wrong here, right? So, what's going <laughs> no, Skynet. on? Skynet. Yeah, Skynet. <laughs> Skynet is what came to mind for me, too, you know, with this. And what's going on here is, uh, like anybody else, the police departments are starting to use more technology for things. And drones are actually a safe way with COVID and violent crimes and everything else to be able to check things out. And the example that was used on this was a guy that had shot and assaulted two people and then went rounding off from the scene and they sent the drone after him. He ran into a mall or something, got into the crowd, ran out the front, it was able to follow him and they were able to catch the bad guy. So from that standpoint, you know, it seems like something that makes a lot of sense. Now there are some privacy concerns. And one of the other things here is the police have been able to get exempt from the laws that requires a drone operator to be in line of sight of their drone. And this is an uh, FAA thing because of the problems that they're having with the planes. So these can go three, four, or five miles away. And in the city where this story came from is they have two sites which cover two-thirds of the city, and they're trying to get another site for the third. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses to everything. New technology is there, but that is what's going on. And we're going to see a lot more AI and drones with some of the models coming out next year. So this will be a thing and not just with the police. Online shipping faces test. Now, this, is this a pass-fail? Uh, it's probably going <laughs> to be a pass-fail. Yeah, this year we're seeing a 43% increase in online purchases. Of course, that's to be wow. expected with COVID and not wanting to shop in stores. The problem is, is they're maxing out the capacity of the distribution and delivery networks from places like UPS, FedEx, and the post office. Mm-hmm. So, 3 billion packages in the holiday season this year is the number that they're expecting. And it's going to be interesting to see. Now, I'm already seeing a slowdown with some of this. Amazon's very interesting because if you order stuff and it's delivered through Amazon's channels, that seems to still show up in a very timely fashion. But if it has to go out to a third-party shipping provider, it's about a week right now. So this does seem to be a thing. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because it's even going to get busier. It's going to get worse before it gets better, as they say. Warner Brothers to release all 2021 movies direct to streaming. Yeah, this is really shaking up the industry, pop culture thing here. What's happening is they are making a bet on HBO Max. That's where this is headed. And Mm. going to do a simultaneous release on the streaming platform as well as in the movie theaters if and when they reopen. So you will still be able to see their movies in the theater. It just won't be exclusively there. And a lot of the theaters are really kind of screaming about this because it's been a very bad year with them having to be closed. And mm-hmm. now next year, if the big releases don't require you to go to the theater to see them, which has always been the arrangement, that could really be problematic for getting people in the seats 
and being able to do that. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of changes in the theater industry next year. One of the things I think that's going to be gone are the cheaper theaters. A lot of this high-end kind of living room stuff, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. I think that's what will survive. The movie theater tickets will go up another couple of dollars to accommodate that. We're going to see a lot of IMAX. But I think things like the more inexpensive theaters or the ones where you're cramped into an auditorium, I see that as being a thing of the past. Yeah, they don't have the assigned seats like some of the nicer ones. I mean, unless they start running older films again, that's what a lot of them were doing over the last few years is not airing, you know, the newest movies, but airing older movies re- or marathoning and such. Yeah, but they're close to the seats are close together and they don't have that ticket system where they can assign the seats or separate people. So yeah, they might I mean it's not that much of a logistics thing for some theaters. They could probably handle it. You know, it's interesting just as a footnote on this in European theaters, most of them have had assigned seatings even in the uh bigger ones for a long time. And it works out because you get a higher capacity. You don't have that spare seat as often that isn't sold and that type of a thing. And after COVID, and there will be such a time when they can cram everybody back in there, you know, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Older run movies, I think that we could definitely see that. The other thing that's been bringing back from all of this is the drive-in theaters where they've been doing exactly that. Running movies that uh, right now there's holiday films. Elf, I noticed, was in ours this week. And stuff like that. So, you know, I, but again, it's a big change from what we're used to seeing. And going forward, I don't think it's the end of theaters, but I do think it's going to be very different. Best Buy to have PS5 inventory in February, possibly another round before the end of this month. Yeah, I talked to somebody in Best Buy that uh, told me where they're headed with all of this. And we talked last week about the bots buying this and the new Xbox system. It's not just uh, the PlayStation and making it impossible to be able to get one, and then you have to get one online that's five, six times the cost. And Best Buy saying that the next round of inventory that they may get will be towards the end of the month, the end of December, so to watch their website for it, but that they should have general inventory levels to where anybody can go in and buy one, and they're available as much as they're needed in February. So I think waiting until February is probably good here, unless you have an extra grand and a half to drop on one of these systems. Paper test to find COVID-19 in five minutes. This sounds exciting. This sounds exciting. Now, I haven't tested it, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but this is a white paper report from the University of Illinois that they have come up with a way to use a paper test, as they call it, and it will turn one way, a color one way if it's positive and another if it's negative. The results can happen in about five minutes. I have no idea if it's accurate or not, and I have no idea if this has been approved for use. But it does go to show that as time goes by and we're understanding COVID and all of that type of thing, they're coming up with a lot of new ideas and new ways to be able to deal with all of this stuff. And this is one way that they, uh, if if this works, that would really make it a lot easier. That just, okay, that seems like there's a way to like pre-test, but I... I don't know, my my general knowledge of paper tests for things just kind of sits there and goes, mm, mm, that's a that's a broad range. <laughs> well, and also your your group, and I mean, is it accurate for everybody? There's all kinds of the normal questions. Well, I mean, if it, if it does test, then it's mostly not testing just for COVID-19. It would be testing for all, you know, SARS types, probably. Right, coronavirus type stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and one would think, you know, where's your level of accuracy? But again, just the idea of being able to be to this point where they're able to do a lot more stuff is kind of interesting and seeing where this ends up. But in all honesty, most of the tests that you take anyway are more for coronavirus than specifically COVID-19 now. 
So that wouldn't True. be that different. You know, it just would be a way to do it in your own home or office or something and be able to have results very quickly without having to go to a lab. So we'll see where that ends up going. Apple's Big Sur update doesn't have backward compatibility. Yeah, it seemed like Sony learned this lesson between the PlayStation 3 and 4 uh, when people were quite upset that they bought a new system and couldn't use any of their old software. But it seems like Apple might need a reiteration on this. Big Sur, these updates, um, what they do and where these names come from is you have a version of the operating system, OS X, but within that you're still getting updates. And each of these updates have a name. And Big Sur being one of those names. And there's a number of others that have come out since OS X has come out. But the issue here, and what we're talking about here, and this actually isn't a new thing, but it's something that uh, users are dealing with, is you have your software installed, you have everything set up and ready to go, and then you get an OS update that, unless you've opted out of it, is going to install automatically. And then all of a sudden, some of the software you were using no longer works. Or the other issue that they're having with this is, say you have an Apple desktop and a laptop, and one's updated and the other isn't yet, and the two used to talk to each other, now all of a sudden they don't, or they don't work right, or there's some kind of a problem that itches into that. And these kind of situations, I think, need to be handled better, because if you're using equipment in an office environment and you need to be able to work between things, you don't necessarily have the time for something to stop working and then having to spend several hours to call Apple Care or whoever to try and get it fixed back up. And these are the things that can really bring in frustration. And hurt small businesses. Hurt small businesses and just kind of make you mad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Apple, you know, for as a a friendly for people who don't want to mess with Windows as they can be because Apple just keeps you from doing anything. Apple just is like doesn't want anybody to do anything is what the problem is becoming. It seems like it's just give me your money, but you can't repair it. You can't do this. We don't want you to do that. We don't want this. You know, so it's like, why am I giving you money to be able to do less? Yeah. Closed ecosystem. <laughs> and that's always what yeah. it's what it's been about. So, all right, this is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to be back after the break. Got a great show for you this week. We're going to be talking about how we produce our show and our podcast. I've had a lot of questions on that. Got a question with an actor, or a question and answer session coming up, and then an interview with an actor. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This next segment is actually based on a number of listener questions, questions you have sent in, dealing with the production of our own show. And some of the questions we've received is, how do I get into podcasting? What's involved with that? We're going to be diving into distribution in our Q&A in the next segment a little bit. But what I wanted to talk about was some of the things that we've dealt with with the production of the show and background and that kind of a thing. Jeremy, Gretchen, Bill, you guys are all on? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I ask those questions because with COVID this year, like everything else, we've had to make some changes. And one of them has been that we haven't been in a studio since February. And that's been something that's taken a little bit of getting used to. We record in our home studios. Uh, not all of us had a home studio. So that was number one <laughs> that we had to change yeah. and uh, and get that type of a thing set up. And, you know, there's a little bit of a trade-off. We, we do we want, obviously want everybody to be safe. And since we can do this in a remote environment, we do. But you don't have necessarily as clean of audio. I mean, every once in a while you'll hear, oh, things in the background. 
Like a dog barking? Like a dog or a barking, cat. yeah. I, I have a premonition that might be happening in the next segment. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or or a door closing. Uh, during the summer, I have a lot of problems that the gardener is in the same mornings we record. So we're actually having to work sometimes around a lawnmower. You know, these type of things that you would not normally have when you're in a booth in a studio. And it's taken some getting used to, but it actually seems to be working out pretty well. Um, the other thing of it is, is that we are also quite far apart. So, Jeremy and Gretchen, you're about 600 miles away from me. And I don't know, Bill, how far away are you from Jeremy and Gretchen? Uh, what is that? It's about two hours if you were to drive it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a two yeah. to two, to two and a half it? hour drive. So yeah, it's seventy it's, miles, uh, like seventy miles. Yeah. 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 So you know, it's definitely enough that it is uh, worth being able to do this remotely. Next year, hopefully, we'll all be in the same place again when we get back into the studio. But it's been an evolution. Now we started the show in 2014, and that was our first year of doing that. We were a half hour format back then, and we were on the air on a local station in Nevada, which uh, was interesting. Great station, but we also had some things that their studio was in the was in the inside of an old mall. And I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but we had some very interesting things that happened, like the harmonica player warming up while we were recording, and no way to close a door. So of course, you ended up with a situation where that was in the background. Yeah, there uh, weren't any doors in that studio at, at all. Yeah, no, so that's yeah just, it was open. Yeah, it was a glass. It was like going into an old store. So you had like glass windows and this big open. A bunch of uh, folding chairs, and then a guy at a, at a desk with a couple of uh, mics. I remember walking by it. Yep, yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what it is. And frankly, that engineer should be commended because he did a lot with not a lot of equipment. I mean, you yeah. know what he came up with? Would it just? It was he was really good, and they were all, you know, very good. But you had some of these things, and one of the other issues. And I know that they moved to another location on the mall ultimately because of this that we were dealing with is there was an electrical transformer in the ceiling right over the table where we would sit at. So you would get this hum. And oh. you can't really edit out a hum, you know? <laughs> so, but well, we you were, can, but it takes a lot of work. Yeah, it takes a lot of work, and it's, uh, it's better to not have that in the first place. I, I, Bill, would you agree? You're, you do our editing. So uh, I don't, do you prefer having to edit out a hum? <laughs> uh, no, no. The better the audio comes in, and that this is something I'm going to say for everybody. The better you can get your audio during recording by following the practices. You know, you can look it up on YouTube on how to really do your sound levels and such. The better it is going to be in the long term. And that's very, very true. If you start with better quality, you work through it. I know that some of the things what we've been facing since we've been out of the studio is echoes. Um, that's something that happens from time to time and you don't hear it in production. So you have to get it out in post, uh, which can be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure. I don't know, Bill, what are some of the things that you've run into with, with having to record remotely? Uh, a lot of it's been, you know, we've had audio drop out because the internet lags. Um, we've just had a lot of different ones. We have background noises. We have, of course, because we're not in studio, you know, our brain doesn't automatically think about things, but telephones going off computer noises until we get those shut off. I mean, talk to like, you know, messenger pop-ups and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of interesting ones. Um, cats, a lot of cats. <laughs> yep. Sorry. <laughs> I like the cats. Cats are the best. <laughs> well, no one dislikes the cats, but you know, them offering their opinion means we have to put them in the credits. So, it's <laughs> so Jeremy and Gretchen, what have you guys run into? We have the noises from the other half of the house. I mean, yeah. You know, phones ringing, delivery guy shows up, dog freaks out. Yeah. Um, 
uh, squeaky floor. Yeah. A squeaky chair, squeaky desk parts, um, something on the desk that moves unexpectedly. The cat. The cat freaks out and sees something that she wants to play with and stomps around. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think the one thing though is if if podcasting is something that you would like to do, do it, and use the equipment you have because it's not so much expected that it's going to be absolutely perfect. Now, since our show airs on the radio and is also a podcast, uh, we try to take that to the next level because it's just you know we've been doing it for what seven years now, so yeah. we should be professional. This year's been a little bit different, so there's a little bit of leeway with that. But you, you, like Bill says, you want to try to get the highest quality recording you can. Online. And go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and a big thing is, is you don't have to start with like an expensive mic. You can go get a, what do they call them? A snowball or a blue. Yep. Whatever they are. Um, you know, the, you can pick those up for 30 bucks or you can actually go in. If you really enjoy it, spend the money to get a good mic, go to, uh, guitar center or something and find a mic that really works for you there's a lot of videos on them for picking the right mic but even then you can still use free software like audacity if it's just you if it's multiple people then you kind of want to start bumping it up into multi-tracking and there is a little bit of time and learning investment and stuff to really make it work but if it just wants to be you doing it you can do it with a lot of free software and fairly inexpensive mics so what I'm going to do is invite everybody. If you have specific questions on this, we're very happy to answer them. And chances are, if you're running into a problem or an issue of some kind, we've hit it. <laughs> uh, very likely <laughs> we have and have to figure out a way to work through it. So send it in. And this is something that a big part of why we do the show is because we enjoy doing it. And in all reality, it is a lot of fun. It's something not to get frustrated. And it is an art. And if it's something you like to do, but you have some questions, send them in. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is our weekly Q&A. We answer your questions or at least attempt to. Send us your questions and your comments, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. The other option is to give us a phone call, and that number is 503-766-6264. What questions do we have this week? How do I host a website in 2020? Yeah, that's a big question. You know, it depends on what you need and what you're doing. So let's say you're hosting a business website or even something for personal reasons. There's a number of hosts out there that you can start with that are very basic but also don't cost a lot or in some cases are free and easy to deal with. And these would be like your Wix or your GoDaddy or some of those type of sites where it's kind of just a drag and drop. It puts the website together. The one disadvantage to those is if you need to do anything with your site that goes beyond what their initial capabilities are, that can become very, very difficult. If you're doing something a little more where you have to have customization, that type of thing, there's a number of different things out there. Amazon offers hosting. They will give you a free year of hosting services with uh, Amazon Web Services. If you want that, that's just one example that's out there. If you want to do a WordPress site, there's a company called WordPress Engine, WP Engine, that's really good for that. And there's a number of different options. This has changed a lot because it used to be that you just put the HTML together and stuck it somewhere. And now it's a little bit different on the way that you uh, would go about actually publishing. How do you distribute your podcast? 
very programmatically. Um, <laughs> mm. You know, this there's this, a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, there's there are a ton of options. There's also a ton of podcast sites too. And this is the other thing. I know what we do and what has made this really easy is we subscribe to a service called Captivate.fm, and they're good. There's a lot of them out there. We used to be on SoundCloud. And for distribution, SoundCloud was good, but we had some issues with the playback numbers. We needed them to be accurate. And, you know, so you want to look for kind of what you need and what's out there and cost and that type of thing. But what happens, at least the most basic way of describing this, is when you have your podcast on a host, they're going to give you something called an RSS feed. And then you take that information. It looks like a URL for a website. Take that information, and then you can go to each of the podcasts, like TuneIn or the other ones that are out there, iHeart, all the different ones, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so on, and you submit it to each one individually. Each one has a slightly different process for accepting it, so you have to be prepared to go through and deal with signing up for some accounts. In some cases, some of them, you just send the link. Now, one thing I do like on Captivate, and a lot of the other hosting services do this, is they have a screen that allows you to go through and just submit to everybody that's out there. And that does make life a lot easier, but of course, there is a cost for doing it, and that's in your hosting fee. Is a credit or debit card safer for online purchases? Yep. Question we get all the time. We've talked about this before, but we're getting into the holiday season. And this year, online purchases are much, much higher than in the past. And definitely, without a question, use a credit card, not a debit card. The reason for that is if and when, in most cases, your credit card number will get out there. Somebody gets hacked. It just gets distributed. Something happens. A credit card, the bad guys can run it up to the limit. But that's about all that goes on, and you're usually insured for that. A debit card, they can actually clean out your bank account. And that can be a lot more problematic to try and get your money back. And even though, again, it would probably still be insured, it's going to be a couple of weeks that you can't pay bills. So definitely, if you can, online, use a credit card. The other thing of it is that I try to do is have one credit card specifically for making online purchases instead of a couple, because it makes it easier for you to be able to see something if a charge comes in that you didn't buy. And if you have them on multiple credit cards, you might not notice it. Another option, and this is something I've seen, you go and you buy one of those uh, preloaded debit card or credit cards that you buy like at the store. Yeah, like a gift card. Yeah. Um, Those can sometimes be a problem. And you just transfer it. That way you know how much money is on the card. That way, even if it's like a situation happens, you know, they get a hold of your card number. You can literally just chuck that card in the trash and it's over. You know, one of the other things too, and Gretchen, you were saying the problem with those can be paying in person. That's where I've run into it online. They usually work pretty well. One of the okay. other things I've noticed along this line too, Capital One and a couple of other companies do this, is they actually have a thing called virtual credit cards. So you have your physical credit card and you go to your online account management site and you can get it to issue a virtual credit card number. And that virtual credit card number can be used just like what Bill was saying. Same idea as buying a prepaid credit card in the store. And then if something happens, you just delete the virtual credit card. and it, It's gone at that point. Yeah. Um, PayPal, which I have some issues with, but I use them. I think they do the same thing for per like uh, vendor. So like I have it with a specific number that I gave to say uh, for my Oculus, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then you're able to lock it out. And PayPal, you can go in. We've, we had a Tech Wednesday on this a while back and delete who has the ability to make payments. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer with his guest, Peter Scirocco. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, thank you so much. This was going to be a fun interview. I, I've met a, someone who became uh, a friend about three years ago at CowboyCon 2017 uh, here in northern Nevada. And I've learned a lot about him in those three years. And it, the guy is absolutely amazing in terms of what he does and, and how he does it. He's recognizable to a lot of uh, cowboy western film lovers as Texas Jack Vermillion in the landmark film Tombstone from the early 90s with Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer. His name is Peter Scirocco. Peter, thank you so much for joining me here on User Friendly. Well, thank you for having me. Well, no, it's a, it's a pleasure. I've been actually trying to work this out for a while, but you're, you're a very busy guy doing a lot of different very cool things. And you have, what I've learned about you is not only are you an actor and also a producer, you have your own business of providing specialty Western props, costumes, saddles, which is, it's, a, it's amazing. You, you could easily open up a, a large museum of what you've collected. How did you engage into this aspect of the motion picture business? Well, one of the first things you learn when you're an actor is they say, invest your money in a laundromat which is a lot, and, and that's just a term for something that's going to make money when you're not making money. If you look at this business, it is, it's, it's a roller coaster. You can be up yes. and then you're way down. Yeah. And I took that, I took that to heart and I, I said, okay, if I'm going to invest, let me invest in something that I like and let me invest in something that I, that I want to do. And I'm one of those guys that watched Westerns all my life. And when I started to learn about the West in the uh, mid-70s and uh, get back into it, I, I, the more I read, the more I learned, the more I said, well, that gun belt is wrong. That gun is wrong. <laughs> that didn't exist then. Yeah. Uh, the saddle is wrong. The hat is wrong. All of this stuff is wrong. And so many of my friends who are also cowboy historians, cowboy uh, 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 guys and, and study the old West. Sure. They all complain about Western. That is they all funny. said, it's wrong. Why are they putting a 92 Winchester <laughs> in 1866? Why are they doing that? Yeah. And I, as I met more and more people in the business, whether they're wranglers or prop people or customers, I found out why they're doing it because, well, there's a lot of reasons why. One of them is money. The other one is, is they don't know. Yes. They haven't done the research. Their research is other movies. My research is reading fact. I have a library, a personal library, which is one of my buildings on the ranch, which has over 5,000 books in it. 4,500 of them are on the Old West, and they're all factual books. They're okay. all, this is what was worn by this. This is this is this year. This is so forth. And that's why I wrote a couple of books. Okay. But I said, I said, let me, let me, you know, and, and everybody complained, but nobody wanted to do anything. And so in the mid-80s, towards the late 80s, I said, all right, nobody is doing anything about it, but they're complaining. I'm complaining, but I'm going to do something about it. That's yes. why I started the business. Okay. I mean, and that's and I have heard that about you, is that it was something that I've come to learn is you hit the nail on the head very, very cleanly when it comes to making sure that it is the right saddle, it is the right gun, it is the right hat, that, it, that the things do not look anachronistic in a Western film that you're working on, because you won't let that happen. Yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's still a battle doing that. Um, I had a meeting with one, I can tell you some meetings that I've had with other producers on, on things where I'm going in to talk to them, 
there was a TV series that was uh, being done uh, mid nineties, and they were having Jesse and Frank James rob a bank, and that was part of the, the story. Well, it was a fictional uh, series, and I'm sitting there with the, with the line producer, the guy who hires everybody. Sure. And I said, good, I will have Jesse and Frank James having the exact same guns and the exact same gun belts that the real ones had at this t- period in time. Because their, their, their criminal career lasted from 67 till 82. Okay. And things changed, guns changed, you know, so far. And I said, so what year is this, is this story taking place? And I will have that. And he looked at me and he goes... Jesse James is a fictional character. What are you talking about? A fi- he thought he was a fictional character? Exactly. Wow. That's okay. how little they know about about. Okay, that's things. scary. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, I had another producer that I talked to, and he said, oh, who knows what's right? What, 1% of the population? And I said, yeah, you're right. 1% of the population knows what's right. But we have 330 million people in this country. If 1%, which is point Three million yeah. people go to see your show and spend ten ten dollars. They've just you just made thirty three million dollars. That's what his eyes lit up. Yeah, that's what he said. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, if I do it right, <laughs> I'm going to get people that are going to spend money. Yeah, if I do it wrong, you're going to you're going to fail. And uh, you can look at you can look at the results of of uh, movies. For instance, when we did Tombstone, they, they also did Geronimo. They also did. Uh, Quick and the Dead. Okay. Both Geronimo and Quick and the Dead grossed $18 million when they first came out. Okay. Which is a failure because they were, you know, $30, $40 million movies. Tombstone grossed $65 million because people went to see it over and over yes. and over again. I've probably warped my DVD because I've watched it so many times. Yeah, yeah. people people continue, still continue to watch it. I, I get emails or uh, uh, Facebook uh, things. Hey, I'm watching Tombstone for the 200th time, <laughs> and, and, and and they don't do that with the other movies, right? Because the other movies didn't care about doing it historically correct. They might have good acting, they might have a good story, but the uh, it's it's one of the things that I I tell uh, people about. I said, all right, you're making a cake. You have a good story. You have good actors. You have a good director, and he's making a cake. Well, you take the cake out of the oven, and the people that are Adding stuff to it, I'm putting I'm putting a nice icing on the cake. Wow! That my whole analogy behind what I do, I'm doing the horses and the saddles, but I'm also doing the costumes. I'm also doing the props. I'm also doing the set dressing. We have a 2,400 acre ranch for our location, so I'm, I'm doing the location. I'm doing the guns and the gun belts, and I'm hiring the uh, uh, background people who come with, who come fully dressed, sometimes with their own horses. And I'm also acting in it. Well, I'm doing what six, seven, eight different jobs. Yes. Now, I I may be uh, I I call myself the Walmart of westerns because I may be taking a lost leader on one or two items, but I'm making money on all the items. So when you when when it comes down to one person asked me a couple of years ago, they said, "How come you're always working and you're supplying quality stuff, but you're doing it at such a a low price?" I just look at it this way. You have $2,000 for for your job. You need five jobs done. You only have $2,000. You need the horses done. You need the props, the set dressing, the guns. On a scale of one to 10 on the experts, across the board, I'm an eight. I'll give you three jobs. 
and you're going to pay me for two. As long as the production company saves money, comes in under budget, on time, they're happy. Well, Peter, I mean, we've barely scratched the surface of what I wanted to talk with you about, and we're already almost running too long. So I'm going to thank you for joining me here on User Friendly, and I am definitely going to bring you back because you've just created a lot more new questions for me. (laughs) Thank you much. All right, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it back to the studio. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. It's always fun talking to professional actors that really know what they're doing. And Steve has had some great people on this year. It's just it's just been incredible. You know, we had a listener question come in. We didn't get to it in the Q&A, so I think it's a good time to talk about it with it being the holidays and stuff. A lot of people are buying new televisions this year, and 4K is kind of what you want to get. If you're going to invest in something new, you want to get a 4K ultra high definition television. But the question is, is does size matter on this? And where we're going with that is smaller televisions, if you have a high definition, you're not necessarily going to see a difference if you get something that's even higher in definition. So we did a little bit of checking on this, and it seems like the smallest production model of a television you can get that's 4K is about a 40 inch. So if you're going to get a television that is smaller than that, you're probably not even going to find one. Now, I did find a workaround on this, and I might be accused of doing a little bit of over-engineering here, but I have a reason for it, is I wanted to do a 30-inch television in my home office, and I wanted it to be 4K. But what I have done is I got a new computer that's capable of driving that, and part of why I want a 4K monitor is to be able to do video editing. So what I just simply did was buy a Samsung 32-inch 4K monitor with an HDMI import, and it works both ways. So it was kind of hmm. like the best of both worlds. Cool. <laughs> well, you probably want to use your uh, the other one, the other new connector that they're using instead of the HDMI for that. But yeah, you can get up to, I think, down to a 22-inch in 4K. And you can get like a 32-inch monitor, monitor in 8K, but that's for gaming and you know, you're you're talking a lot more than just what a TV even in 4K costs. Yeah, and 8K is a thing. It's a, you know, and you want to make sure your computer can run all of this stuff too. I just bought a new system with four video outputs, uh, outputs rather, outputs, and each one's capable of 4K, but a lot of video cards aren't. So if you were to buy a 4K monitor and not have a 4K video card or computer capable of it, you're not going to be able to use it anyway. <laughs> so, and uh, what you're talking about, Bill, is DisplayPort. And yes. uh, I definitely I, I moved my system over. Three of my ports are DisplayPort, and one is HDMI. And I've just been using the DisplayPort. It does seem to work a little bit better. But you, one other thing with that, I did find and kind of learned this lesson is you do have to spend a little more on your cables. The 4K oh, certified yeah. cables do make a difference, even on just the 1080i. Oh yeah, no, you want that fast throughput on them and bandwidth. So but yeah, for most people, you know, getting a small 4K TV is not worth it unless you're, you know, going. 40 inches or bigger. Yeah, if you have a specific reason, maybe. But again, for production models, just for a television, it seems like they start at 40 inch. And even that would be still be kind of call- small. And what it is, is the human eye is capable of seeing a resolution up to a point. So the bigger TVs are better for higher resolution because you can see the pixels a little more. So 4K and 8K, which will be a thing that's much more in production next year, will be used for a lot of this stuff. 
But for right now, size does matter and you probably don't need it. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the hosts and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at theanswerportland.com or userfriendlyshow.com.